by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to In 17 Women. I'm Caroline, and I'll be hosting the pod today for a jam-packed episode. We've got some incoming transfers to discuss first, and then we're going to take a bigger picture look at the squad as a whole to analyze what gaps remain and what the current squad makeup tells us about potential tactics for this season. We'll also talk about the conclusion of the Euros, because how could we not with two very excited English women amongst my co-hosts? And let me go ahead and introduce everyone now so we can kick things off. So I have Rachel joining us from the Spurs Women blog. How's it going, Rachel? Oh, good. Awesome. And we have Sean from Proud Lily Whites. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Enjoyed the start to the season for the men's team yesterday. So uh, looking forward to the women doing the same. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> And we've also got Abby, who writes for Cartilage Free Captain. How's it going, Abby? Not too bad, not too bad. Just enjoy my weekend. Awesome. So let's start by talking about the very eventful week that Spurs Women just had in the transfer market. We actually signed three new players in one week, all on permanent contracts. And the first player that was announced was the English center back, Amy Turner, who's coming to us after leaving the Orlando Pride. And I don't think any of us were really expecting this signing. Am I right? Yeah, we weren't expecting it at all. We knew she'd left Orlando, didn't we? And there was some talk about her going back to Man United because that's where she was before that. Um, And actually, I think uh, some upset Man United fans that she hasn't gone back to them, um, Mm -hmm. which is just, you know, upside as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, we knew she was going somewhere and, and, and thought it was over here. So great, for, great news for us that it's, that it's us. And I think actually, you know, big statement in terms of the quality of player we've got there. Yeah, her experience, I think, is going to be a huge asset for sure. Uh, Abby, what did you think about the signing? I, we definitely needed another center back. I think you all know that I've been beating that drum for a while, uh, asking for Vicky Schneider back. Uh, I'm just thrilled with this signing though. Uh, I, I don't know all that much about her playing, but from what I've learned since her signing, I am pleased and I think this will be good. Yeah. I think it's, it's good to note that we needed the depth at center back because we were fairly lucky last season, not having any major injuries, um, in the defense. So that'll be, you know, some extra security in the back line and nah. I, yeah, go ahead, Rachel. I mean, I guess it's it's interesting to see how she'll get used. So she was an ever-present at Manchester United when she played there and in her first season in the US. She was then injured a little bit, so she played less this season. But given that both Shalina and Molly played pretty much every game last season, whether or not there's going to be some rotation or whether we're going to move to a back three, which is something we're going to have to talk about in a while, is going to be something we're going to wait to see, I think, because otherwise it's not clear exactly what her role is going to be. And she mostly has played at the right of centre-back, which is Molly's typical role. Um, And clearly none of us want Molly to be dropping out, but at the same time, you know, as Abby said, it's really important to have backup. So obviously, this is one of those places where Rianne's going to have to do more squad management than perhaps she did last season with respect to the back line. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do feel like I, I, I was looking at this as, as well, noticing that she played on the right and that it was Molly's position. Uh, and it sort of led me to wonder whether Molly or Amy could play in the center. I do think Molly could actually make a really nice central center back in a back three. Though obviously we can talk about that more when we move on to tactics. I think I'm really, one other reason I'm really pleased with this signing is it seems like uh, we may have rescued Amy Turner from an interesting situation at Orlando because it sounds like, you know, it wasn't quite just that she was injured and that's why she wasn't playing. But it, the reporting seems to be that maybe there was a little retaliation going on. So, uh, yeah, there's info out there if you want to read up on it. I'm just glad yeah. she's with us now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing for her personally, for sure. The situation at the Orlando Pride is just not good right now. <laughs> so I think it's an interesting I, point on, on squad management. I just to add in a little mm-hmm. nugget that I learned um, recently, which is that Vicky Jepson does a lot of the actual squad ma- squad relationship management um, and leaves the tactics and things to Rianne Skinner to do all of that side. So it's an interesting to learn about how they balance their roles as assistant and, and as manager. So it's Vicky's the more bubbly, outgoing character and does a lot of the player management side of it um and Rianne sticks to uh telling them how to play which uh you know you've got to have those kind of characters and it's just interesting to learn that I think and get a bit of an insight into how it all goes down behind the scenes yeah, that's really interesting yeah good tidbit there and yeah. you know well, I don't think it's ever a bad follow. thing to have some competition for places too you know and and just to have the depth on the on the roster for those games when we're middle of the season, there's multiple competitions going on and, you know, well, we're we going to need that flexibility. We were talking just before we started recording about the men's team and, 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 you know, what happens to Ben Davis and Emerson Royale when there's people sat on the bench chomping at the bit to get on the pitch and the performances right. that they put in, you know, it does make a difference when you've got people sat on the bench who can come in last season. We know we had problems because for a you know, good chunk of the early part of, the, of this year, we didn't have very many people sat on the bench. So mm-hmm. just having that and, and, you know, pushing each other off the pitch as well and being able to learn from each other off the pitch and those kind of things as well. I think, you know, great stuff. It's what we said we needed. One of the things we said we needed was a bit more depth and defensively, I think we're doing that. And I think for she's sure. a very um, good player positionally. So if you look at videos of her playing, she's very much the sort of player who gets back in the right position. And so she's looking at the game, thinking ahead. And I think Mm -hmm. that is going to be really valuable, especially as we're trying to move ahead. And that is what we want our center backs to do. It seems like we want them to be back there so that when our attackers and midfielders are pressing and the ball dribbles out the back and there's a loose ball, like our center backs are always in the right position to clean that up. So that should work really nicely. Yeah. Great points. So the next transfer that the club announced was the signing of a young Polish striker named Nikola Karczewska. And we had been rumored um, to be signing her previously. So this one was not as much of a surprise. And we've been saying on this pod that the biggest need in this transfer window was a striker who can deliver a lot of goals. So what do y'all think? Is Nicola going to be that player? I hope so. <laughs> She's got a lot of potential. She scored a lot of goals already, given her career stage. Um, we'd already talked about the fact that she'd scored six in a single international game. 
I mean, it wasn't against the highest quality opposition, but still the fact that she didn't want to stop scoring is a really good sign. They're sort of keeping on going, continuing to score. That's the sort of numbers that you hear about from really good elite level strikers. Um, She uh, also scored a kind of variety of goals. We've been having a chat separately and I think Abby can kind of build on this about whether or not she is scoring enough with her head yet, given how tall she is. But she is confident in front of goal and she has scored for club and country and, you know, and she's got a pretty high conversion rate, which is really important as well, because that was something that our players were not doing last time. So that sort of energy, the fact as well, when she signed for us, she was interviewed and she was talking about how she hoped that the fans would love all the goals that she scored. It was just that level of confidence to think that she was going to be scoring lots of goals, which was really exciting as well, because that is the sign of a player who, you know, is in the right place to be delivering. Yeah, I think that uh, we should give her time to adapt. I think that's one thing that, despite being really excited about this, I, I really want us all to remember that she probably will need time to adapt to the league. I so I haven't watched all that much of her, but I've watched I've watched the comps and I've watched a little bit of the games that were on ATA football. And I see a player who just has great instincts of where to be. And I saw her score a lot of goals where she sort of followed up and was in the right place for the ball to fall to her so she could get that second ball, put it away. Uh, I also saw her get on the end of a lot of crosses uh, as the it's funny watching the the compilations because she's such a young player that you could actually see her game developing from like minute zero of the compilation to like minute 10 or whatever. Uh, So I saw her, you know, scoring with both feet by the end, getting on the end of crosses, taking shots from different places around the box. She did not score a single goal with her head, uh, which is interesting because she's six feet tall. And this was concerning to me. And I think one thing that I saw when I was watching the actual games back was that like, while so she's very tall, she's six feet tall and she didn't seem to really want to like jump or aggressively attack balls with her head in the games. So obviously that's not something that you're going to see in the compilations. She would sort of stand there and wait for the ball to come to her. And then like a shorter player would come and leap and clear the ball so I wonder like there's very clear things I see for someone to work on there um so I'm I'm hopeful that this could be improved on and as you well if you follow me on Twitter you know that I do like having a big player up top apparently so I I hope she adds that to her game but for now she looks like she has quite a shot on her and gets into good positions and I'm excited to see how the rest of her game develops as as she plays for us yeah I don't think she's the total answer um I think we I think we all probably think she's great potential and uh and hopefully will start scoring for us but we'd also like to see somebody with a little bit more experience uh in the English leagues in in the higher level games um uh playing uh, who can come in and just I mean you know we're getting you know the first game of the season at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Manchester United. That's a huge game. There's going to be vocal away fans, lots of Spurs fans. Uh, it's going to be a step up from 
what a lot of those, you know, what a lot of players have seen before. Um, so we need somebody who's going to come in and not be phased by that and help us bring Man United down to uh, down to earth after their celebrations after the Euros. Um, I, I think um, we still need we still need another striker, um, and we're all I think still sat here hoping that there's big news to come before the season begins. Yeah, I think yeah. what Abby and Shana said is really spot on is that she's not the whole answer. I think the reason I'm so excited is because of all the signings we've made so far, she's the most unpredictable. And that might end up not being great, but it might end up being that she is the player who is, you know, takes us up and onwards in a way that was not expected. And so it's just really nice to have a player with that potential where you can see mm-hmm. possibilities. Um, a lot of the other players that we've signed are really excellent. They've got a, like a long pedigree. They're going to, we know what they're going to bring and that's really important, but we need to have a mix. And so it's great to have that there as well. Yeah. I'm personally hoping that the fact that she's been able to make the step up to her national team at just the age of 22 is a promising sign as far as her maturity goes, you know, her uh, unflappability, I guess you could say, um, in higher pressure games. So, but I think you're right, Abby, that we do have to have some patience with her as a fan base initially, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I just want to know where, where we got her from. Like, how do we, how do we find her? We don't, we've talked on the pod Ooh. before about how we're like scouting not, wise. Yeah. Scouting so, wise. so do you know, this might be the tinny network again. So did you know that? <laughs> Finland's other goalkeeper plays for Fleury, which is where she was. Yes, in, yes, yes, I did. I did so know that was that. it, wasn't it? So that was yeah. it. You, yeah, that so was me. Is... I put that one in the chat. Um, oh, but, but was that really it? Was that really why? I was joking when I said that. Like, I am so really international <laughs> recruitment is run by Finland's goalkeepers. That would be wild. <laughs> Oh, I I just think it must be. We should be looking at where all the other Finnish players are playing and see whether we get another player from one of those squads. It truly does seem to be, and we'll come on to this in a minute because there's yet another pride player, but our entire recruitment lately does seem to be all about those Finland goalkeepers and like Alex Morgan, like players who have played with Alex Morgan before. So So we've got a link with all that, and that's why, because we got um, Shalina and Alana at the same time because we've got links over that way as was and then obviously hopefully Alex Morgan is continuing that that link for us and doing some more work for us um but yeah it's it's, it is interesting to to look at the recruitment and and how we do it and and how it's done in the women's game it's a little bit more um who you know than the men's game well, because yeah. I was also thinking that perhaps, and we're about to get onto her, but that Amy and Angara had both come via Molly, perhaps, because Molly had played at Reading with Angharad for quite a while. So, sorry, jumping ahead. We haven't even talked about her yet. <laughs> but that might have been another link that meant that got the two of them came over. True. Yeah, so we, we've teased her enough. We may as well just say it. Uh, and her ad James and I am almost certain I'm not really saying her name correctly as a clueless American but she is a Welsh international a defensive midfielder and yeah this one did not come as much of a surprise to us either because not that we'd been previously linked with her but because she has another connection um, to Amy Turner because they are fiancés 
So we can talk about the personal relationship factor later if y'all think it's relevant. But on the playing front, how do we think that she is going to work out in the midfield? Well, I know that she's worked with Brienne before back in Arsenal's academy, I think. And from what I see, and I'm not super familiar with her playing style, she does seem like that Maeva replacement, maybe, or like some of the stuff she can do would replace Maeva in terms of defensive work and passing. Um, I was just hanging out on FB ref and looking at some stats here from back when she was with Reading before she moved over to the United States. And I wanted to read some of these, these stats out from the leaderboard appearances, awards and honors section. Uh, So let's see for tackles. She was fifth in the um, FAWSL in 18, 19 season and third in the 2021 season. Uh, she was first in tackles one in the 2021 season. Uh, she was for pressures. She was seventh in the 2018, 2019 season and third in the 2021 season. She was second and third in blocks in those two seasons, respectively second in interceptions in the 2020, 2021 season. And here's my personal favorite uh, fourth in nutmegs in the 2019 <laughs> season. Uh, and of course you can't tell everything by looking at stats, but I do like to hear that. Um, and from what I understand, um, she was pretty solid for Reading in that area, in that era. So I was hoping, you know, when we were signing Amy, I was like, Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see her come to uh, a London team. I was hoping it would be us because it really seemed like what we needed. So I'm really happy she's here. And to me, that looks like a whole midfield. I really did feel like we needed one more player in that sort of passy DM type role. So, and I think it's also important to note for people who are new to the league that prior to last season, Reading were a pretty good side in the Super League um, and were one of the teams um, chasing that fourth spot on a regular basis or getting that fourth spot given prior to Man United. Um, so, you know, if you just saw last season, you might think, well, yeah, but Reading aren't very good. But historically, they have been one of the better sides in the Super League. So really promising statistics that um, that show that, you know, she's going to be, I think, you know, an experienced player in the league. And as we say, we were missing that role after Mavis gone. Hopefully she can fill in and uh, and and hit the ground running. I think I was looking at the same stats as you, Abby, as well, because I was looking at I was getting really excited that she was like, it was pressure, tackles, also most recoveries in her squad. So she really did sound like a Rianne type of player to me for all of those reasons. And if you see her playing for Wales as well, where she is absolutely central, you she's very much a sort of box to box. Um, and in that role, she was playing more forward than she does. I mean, still as a sort of defensive midfielder, cleaning things up, but would get forward as well. Um, And she scored a few goals that are really, they are your typical sort of defensive midfielder, um, you know, Eric Dyer, hard shot kind of goals that are nice to see. I mean, she definitely has more shots than... um, than conversions so she isn't like a person with a very high percentage um goal but when she scores one they're nice um so yeah I was I was very worried about our Maver shaped gap I'm still gonna miss Maver because 
who can replace Maver in all of what she did. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how feisty Anne Carrad is going to be and if she's going to fill that particular Maver spot, especially when we come to North London derbies. But she will definitely do a lot of the work. And I was feeling very happy about this signing for that reason, because it, she is going to add that solidity and the sort of tenaciousness that we're going to need a, in front of our back line. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It seems like we're starting to sort of complete the midfield now with this signing for sure. And I didn't realize that she's only 28, whereas Amy's a bit older. Um, so 28 to me, is so it's like, a lot of good years left in the in the tank there and I hope that it works out and that it's with us yeah I mean Amy I should say Amy's only 31 she's not like that (laughs) so I think there's one other player that we should touch on not because she's a new signing but because she could feel like a new signing when she eventually makes it back into the starting 11 and that is Kit Graham So it looks like she's been making great progress in her rehab and she's already back to training on the pitch less than nine full months since her injury, her ACL injury. So when do y'all think that we might see her back in the match day squad and what is she going to bring to the team that is uniquely kit? Well, um, (laughs) she's the, uh, well, that left foot is what she's going to bring to the squad. Um, you know, she's got a, a, a real shot on her. She's also got that creativity to be running with the ball, um, uh, getting round players, you know, that that real kind of sitting behind the strikers and, and doing that attacking play, um, but equally getting those shots off. Um, let's remember that her first goal was swiftly followed by her second goal away at Bristol a few seasons ago. She did, Once she started scoring, she does keep scoring. Um, yeah, and, and it just brings that creativity, which we missed the second half of the season, I think, and uh, and takes the ball with her. You know, we see it a bit from Jess, but not enough from Jess. But um, uh, uh, Kit is really that that player. And hopefully, you know, if she's back on the grass, if she's training with the team, we can be hopeful that it won't be too long, you know, once we get the get the first few weeks of the season out of the way and keep our fingers crossed that Kit will be back and because she's so important to us. Yeah, I bet we'll see her in October. So I just think like, it looked to me from the pictures she posted that she had surgery on both knees. And I really don't want them to rush an important player like that. Um, And I know that it does usually take about a year for ACLs um, for women. And so I, I really looking forward to having her back though. I hope, I hope it's, it's October. Yeah, I think we had heard December. We'd kind of heard some timelines that it was going to be closer to Christmas. So if it's October, even better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I just miss her, like the joy that she brings to the game. She really is like the main, like the main character on the pitch when she plays. It's like, she's just so much fun to watch and she brings everything she does. You can tell she's just having the absolute best time of her life and that everyone around her is having a good time as well. Just simply by virtue of being near her on the pitch she's also that sort of classic low center of gravity player who the ball just seems to stick to you know Mm -hmm. she will play through and around people who she has no business playing through and around (laughs) and come out the other side with the ball she is often sort of league leading in terms of dribbles and progressive play in all different kinds of sort of spaces and uh, yeah as Abby says and as Sean said it just a joy to watch you know it's just exciting and 
it meant, especially once she was no longer playing, that there was much less, that Spurs were doing much less through the centre of the field last season. Mm-hmm. So once she wasn't there and it was Rachel by herself, really, we didn't have people playing through the middle in the same way as when she was there and we were more reliant on crosses. Um, obviously, there's Jess Nass running onto balls, which is a great thing. But, you know, beyond that, there wasn't a lot going down the centre and it was nice. It will be nice to have her back. I think it'll be interesting to see how she plays with Ramona, for example, who is perhaps the other player who is in the sort of most similar role of those who've been brought in, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. But she's still not Kit. And um, yeah. And, and Kit is also still really young. And so her game is also progressing and she's really exciting. Yeah, very true. I, I do think she's just one of those players who's like almost irreplaceable, you know, in the squad because she just brings that dynamic play that no one else does. So fingers crossed that she is back soon, but not too soon. (laughs) And I think like part of the reason I know that in the past, we've had some complaints about other players and their roles on the pitch um, in attack. And I think that my, my theory is that when Kit comes back, we will stop seeing players being asked to take on roles that they are incapable of taking on. And then maybe we'll be able to see them flourish in their own part rather than struggle to replace the creative void of Kate Graham. So fingers crossed. Yeah, this immediately made me think of Kaya Simon. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> who I was talking about. <laughs> because, because you're right, like it'll, it'll yeah. just enable her to focus on, you know, being, I think she really thrives when she's more of that like target person up top. Um, and not trying to do the work of a 10, <laughs> which is not her vibe. So yeah, good point. And I have one more question about the transfer window that is maybe a little provocative and could have some debate. <laughs> and it was actually inspired by a conversation that Abby and I had just had on Twitter with a friend of the pod, Ben. Uh, so I know we've still been looking kind of enviously at the transfer business of other clubs in the WSL both above us and below us um, just by the measure of, you know, last season's WSL table. And so my question is have Spurs women so far underperformed, overperformed or met your personal expectations for the summer transfer window? You can think on it for a minute. (laughs) Uh, I I think, uh, I think there's still some work to do. Um, I think we've done what the players we've brought in, I think, We've, we've chosen some interesting players, some good players who are going to fit in well and, and improve where we were when all the once the players who'd left had been announced. Um, I still think, as we've said already, attacking-wise, we need to do some work. Uh, and we won't know, I guess, until we start seeing some matches where they play together, exactly how it all fits together. But I think the only area I would say at the moment that I'm still concerned about is that striker role having somebody with some experience and some uh, level-headedness to, uh, so, and some record of scoring goals. Um, we're still looking for that that player, I think. But if you look at our defence, we've got a strong starting defence and we've got players who can mix it up to to provide decent cover. You know, more cover is never a bad thing, but I think from a starting point, we're good. I think that midfield's looking good with those players that we brought in. Again, you can always have a little bit more in there, a little bit more attacking flair, particularly if Kit's going to be gone for 
um, a month or two before the season starts, you know, the start of the season. So there's always a little bit of room and it's difficult when you've got both Kit and Rhea who will, will be coming back at some point during the season. It's just a question of when and those are kind of the roles that, that they're playing. How do you fill those roles? Um, but I mean, I think I'm I'm relatively happy, but I wouldn't say I'm blown away. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I think we are at par at the moment. I don't think we've overperformed. If you think that we were fifth last season, our transfers don't look much better than fifth in terms of who's coming in. Um, we maybe had fewer massive holes to fill than some teams that we had. I mean, we lost, we've lost some people to injury and they're coming back. We lost Rachel and um, Maver, which were big losses in terms of who we needed to replace. Um, I think we've, you could argue that we've brought in players who were at least, you know, combined who were at least as good or better than Maver and Rachel, you know, given that we brought in quite a few, but some of them, I guess it's, we're let yet to see how they perform. So there's some around which there are some question marks. So how Ramona fits, how Ellie and Nicola develop, um, the ways in which, um, you know, the way in which Amy is going to be used. So I think we're developing depth, which was really important. Um, but there haven't been, again, when Nicola becomes a superstar, you can rewrite all of this. But <laughs> until and unless she does, or Ellie, perhaps, we haven't brought in those kind of very obvious game changers who are going to clearly push us up to the next level, which means that we are consistently being able to play not just the kind of great solid defensive game that we've already doing, but that we are more creative in a way that means that we are kind of competing more consistently with the top four. So, yeah, I'm maybe it's going to come. Like Sean says, there is more to come um, and hopefully we will get to that. So it's not disappointing. It's just not quite, you know, exciting to the point where I'm on the edge of my seat, although super curious about how it goes. Yeah, I think it's like, for me, it really feels like Schrodinger's transfer window. Um, Cause I think we've, that my hope, I'm reasonably confident that the pieces we have now fit together better than the pieces we had for the second half of the season, even if they are not like significantly better. Um, maybe not reasonably confident. I'm solidly hopeful that the pieces fit together better. We have some like really exciting prospects, as you said, uh, we already had some and now we have even more. So it's kind of like, will any of like Jess Naz, Ismita Il, Ellie Brazil, Nicola, like will any of them make the leap and take the team with them? Or will they all sort of like continue on in this development phase? And then we also have players that we had last year who are getting to be older. And it's like, will any of them randomly fall off a cliff and leave us with a hole we don't know about? And then will we sign more players? There's just all these question marks I have. Will Kit and Rhea come back in a timely manner? And will they be up to the level they were at before they mm -hmm. got injured? These are all questions I have. I, as it is now, it could go either way. They could all bounce our way or none of them could bounce our way. And that's like probably the difference between like seventh and fourth. So it's really hard to rate. And if we sign more players, which feels like the most like, 
I hope that's the most likely outcome of any of these things. Although obviously I hope our players level up as well. If we sign more players, that's the surest way of getting us into the higher places. Uh, but as for now, it's just really hard to say what's going to happen. We need to wait and see. Interesting yeah, that Peter Paris has gone to Manchester United and has not been well met by the fans there. I, I do kind of just want to say to Man United fans, if you want to keep signing players, maybe calm down on attacking players <laughs> signing. Yeah, um, there there are some of us who would be happy to have a lot of the players um, that Man U have signed. Oh gosh, already. Yeah. <laughs> but you just think, wouldn't it, you know, yes, you consider yourself to be a huge team, but you're going to get a reputation if, you know, if players start to see that the fans, as soon as you sign somebody, are, are piling on in a not good way. It doesn't suggest to me that fans are, that players are going to want to go there as much as they might otherwise do. So just seems to me to be self-defeating when you haven't actually seen how well they fit into your squad yet. But, you yeah, know, that's that's another subject. But Nikita Paris was late with Spurs and will not be joining us now. So Bethany England still hasn't been completely ruled out. But um, Do you think Manchester United, though, will keep all of their attacking players? Because they have a lot. Some of them had really good Euros. And I would not be surprised to see a team like Arsenal or Chelsea swoop in and, and grab one of them, especially if United's wages are, or not wages, but like as, if they are really not putting as much money into the women's team as we, as the reporting says they are not. I just wonder whether they'll keep them all. My personal hope is that maybe Chelsea gets one and then we get Beth England. But that's just, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering about these things. I wish well, the I think- uh, listeners could see when Abby said that um, all of our eyebrows were going up. <laughs> <laughs> they are most concerned about Ona or whether she's going to stay. And I don't think that's been locked down yet. Um, but you're right. They brought in a few players and it could be a situation where they need to sell, you know, at least one. We're like too but, many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. And I think like- y'all are right that they're, for this conversation, there are so many asterisks involved. And of course, the window is still open until September 8th. But I guess my personal view is that I feel like we're, we've just kind of treaded water with our transfer window. Like we've, we fortified the foundation, like we're still going to be a solid team. But you're right, I don't think we found any players yet who are really going to be, I think it was Rachel said, a difference maker, a change maker. Definitely not any super flashy signings that I think we were kind of anticipating there would be at least one and there's still time well I think that you know the England team have only just you know I mean some of the England team is still on holiday Mm -hmm. most of them are still on holiday and things I think so there's not going to be announcements around those kind of players until they're back and you know things get sorted so there is still scope for some big moves um just talking hopefully you know so and whether that's two spurs or whether that's that then enable moves to spurs and things um you know there's there's still plenty of scope i think for action to happen we've got a month left so fingers crossed domino effect could happen soon if i were beth england not having played all that much at the euros and not having impressed when i did play at the euros and then looking at these players who have like more regular starting time at other teams who've really shown in the Euros. And I'm stuck behind Sam Kerr and Guru Wrighton and like all these crazy Chelsea attackers. 
I would move to Spurs. I would write my name into the history books at Spurs. And so I really just think that that I hope Beth, if you're listening, we're still carrying the torch for you. No, I'm just joking. But we will welcome you with open arms. <laughs> that would really make the transfer window for me. That would one signing like that, or even like somewhere approaching that. It doesn't have to be Beth England. That that would do it. That that would make me very happy. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's interesting to think about what our transfer business we've done so far might say about the potential tactics that Ryan Skinner is going to be employing this season. So have y'all picked up any hints in that regard from the personnel that we brought in? And do we think the playing style is largely going to stay the same or could we see some new formations used? I think we kind of alluded to the back three being a possibility already. We have seen a bit of back three towards the end of last season. Uh, so, you know, that is clearly something that's in Rianne's mind. I think mm-hmm. what we've been saying is largely the players seem to fit into what we know of Rianne's playing style already. Um, and so there's probably not going to be a huge difference to the way the team turn out. It, the question is that back three, back four question. We know we've got Ash who can get forward in, and, and do the, the wing back role as, as well as the full back role. So that opens up that scope. Um, that is the question. I don't know what you guys think um, with three centre backs now. And obviously, Karis Harrop, who is a centre-back as well, um, or can play at centre-back, you know, we've got some scope there to have a few more. Maybe it'll be a, I don't know, it was the bigger games, the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's, where we started to look at those back threes. So maybe that's something about those games that we might start to see those kind of formations. Yeah, I, I exactly as you said, I felt like in some of those games, she was really playing a back five, and it was about protecting the goal more than necessarily playing with you know very attacking minded wing backs so it was definitely the two Chelsea games where the back three was used um most it was used earlier one game when we were just short of players back in January or February but not very successfully and then it was those two Chelsea games where it came to the fore some of those games she was also making up for absences in the team so for one of those games Maver was absent and one of them Ash was absent both because of too many yellow cards um so they were suspended each game and so it felt to me like she was shoring things up more than this was her choosing to play in a different formation in the longer term that said it worked pretty well so there are lots of possibilities and having more having more centre-backs available who are all high quality might mean that it's more of a possibility. It's not as clear that um, Azzy is, Azmita Ale is as good in a wing-back role as Ash is going to be. And then there's a question about whether she tries to transform one of the other players like Jess or somebody else into more of a wing-back. I just always have to jump on an excuse to talk about my favorite and least favorite game of all time. We did play back three against Everton and it was a attacking back three. We put a lot of it. So it was Ash and Esmita as the wing backs. And then the weirdest pairing that I um, actually really liked sort of, except for that um, the scoring was an issue up top. It was uh, Tang and Rosella and so the problem though was that like so Tang Jelly was like playing these beautiful balls that Rosella was running onto and we were attacking 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 and it was such a good combination except for you know Rosella uh, didn't finish too many of of those chances uh, but we put up a lot of XG so 
we do, I think there are like kind of two back threes that we're talking about here. And there's the super defensive one that we saw against Chelsea. And then there was like the really weird attacking one that we saw against Everton, uh, a game that we drew mostly because we seemed tired. But I think like, it seems to me, and maybe this is just due to personnel issues that Rian really likes her flexibility and I think we'll continue to see that. I, I wondered whether I noticed, I'm pretty sure Everton were also playing a back three in that game. So I wonder whether we were like trying to match them in that and avoid like being overrun in midfield or something. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back and watch. So I think that the moves we've seen so far really will allow her to continue putting out flexible teams. We have the extra center back so that we can play a back three now, but we also have the extra midfielder so that we can rotate through if we're having more midfielders. So I think I'm not sure we can really take away too like too much about strict changes that we'll see, just that like the changes that we've seen will allow us to continue in that flexible format. I mean, we, Rachel was talking about Mosmeter um, Ale, and I think uh, it's interesting because in the first game of the season against Birmingham, the thing that everybody noticed was her attacking. And everybody's like, oh, she looks really good going forward. Um, and I think as the season went on, she had a bit of some dodgy games where her passing went awry a little bit and and maybe she was going back to basics a little bit um, to try and, you know, get get her, her, her game back on, on form. Um, so I think she has got the capacity to go forward, um, but obviously she's still a young player. I'll be interested to see, you know, Esther Morgan uh, so far has not gone out on loan this season. Um she certainly had some, you know, attacking drive about her when she played for us before, um, and and is the kind of Ash style player in that terms of wearing her heart on her sleeve, running for everything. Um, she's a Spurs fan, which I think always helps a little bit in the back of your head when you know you're in those dark, difficult moments. If you if you're a fan of the club, I think it pushes you that little bit further. Um, and so I'll be interested to see, you know, how she fits into things as well, because um, I, I really do think she's a, a great little player and I'm looking forward to seeing her get some more game time as well. So we've got some really interesting youngsters there and uh, yeah, just be interesting to see. And hopefully, you know, the Louisville tournament will give us our first glimpses of uh, what they've been working on behind the scenes. Well, unfortunately, I do think Esther is like quite injured from what it seems like behind Kit in getting back on the field. I've been watching along with Kit and Esther and Rhea's recovery progress on Instagram. They post a lot about their time in the gym and Kit was the first one back on pitch. Esther and Rhea are still not on pitch. There hasn't been any communication about what exactly Esther's injury was at Leicester. At first, I just thought it was like a, you know, a minor muscle thing or like a medium muscle thing since she came back from loan. But the fact that she's still not back on grass yet is concerning and I suspect it was a worse injury than was communicated to us so I'm not sure when we'll see her yeah that she she's definitely a promising player so yeah hopefully we do see her soon yeah I hope so well this is probably a good time to transition to talking about the Euros Um, I know Rachel and Sean y'all are going to have so much to say about it Uh, of course we didn't have any Spurs players involved in the tournament but I think it's fair to say Sorry, we did, have, we did have two Spurs players involved in the tournament, not in oh, winning. Yeah, yes, not in not in the winning <laughs> team. Yes, I should clarify. <laughs> uh, that's true. Sorry, Finland. 
no offense to Finland. Love you guys. <laughs> but yes, in England, of course, we all know by now went on to win the tournament. And I think it's, it's going to have a huge impact, not just on Tottenham, but on all of women's football in England in general. So I'm just going to cede the floor to Rachel and Sean to talk about your experience of watching the final and just what you think the cultural response is going to be. So take it away. Well, I'm a bit more of a cynic, it has to be said about these things. I mean, first of all, I'll say I watched the game at home with my nephew, who um, was very keen that he watched the game with me. We tend to watch big games like that. And it was very pleasing after the Euros, the men's debacle and him ending up in tears watching that game. Um, he was happy after this game, so much better. But I've been training him up on on the women's game for some time. So um, I, I know it really annoys me the way they talk about inspiring the girls. I'm like, no, let's talk about inspiring young people because actually mm-hmm. women can be role models for boys as well, um, which I, you know, I think that's really important that we don't just focus on the girls. We need to to share the love. You know, if boys can um, be inspirational for girls, then girls can be inspirational for boys. Um, but anyway, we had a great time watching the final. I have to say, I I struggled to get excited about it. I, I my bandwidth for for. England is is <laughs> depleted after uh, everything else and getting ready for the new season. But um, great to see. I um, mean, it went crazy after the final. Lots of tickets going for season tickets and match tickets for the WSL for next season. My fear with that is that um, the, the 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 reactionary nature of it is: will they still be coming at Christmas? Um, and I'm happy to be proved wrong if I am proved wrong, but I suspect at Christmas we're going to see that it's died down a bit. But then some of that's on the clubs to make the most of the interest that we've got at the moment, to put out good comms, to make the games interesting, to avoid clashes, to make sure that you know we know when the games are, that they're not clashing with the men's team game, which again isn't isn't the club so much as... Um, the FA and and Sky and all those kind of people, you know, there are lots of people who've got to get on board and make it easy for fans to watch games. Make it. I mean, um, Ian Wright had the. I was sitting here after the final, watching Ian Wright talk, and he had, you know, he was saying what he's been saying and we've all been saying for a long time, which is you need to avoid clashes. You need to make it possible for people to go and watch both the men's and the women's teams. Um, you need to not have games on Sunday at six or seven o'clock in the evening because that's a stupid time to have a football game for people traveling to watch games. So there's a lot that needs to be done. And if the, if the game doesn't uh, do those things, we're going to lose all this momentum. Uh, and I'm sorry to say, I think we're not in a, in a state yet to really capture all the momentum props to teams like Burn, to Brighton, who were as soon as England won tweeting, come on, buy a season ticket. They've had like huge increase in season ticket sales um, as have a lot of clubs and the North London Derby, I think is, selling very fast so the, the signs are good but i i'm skeptical that it's that it's going to last as much as people think it is we should clarify that that's the away north london derby at the emirates stadium that yes. sean is referring to <laughs> yes what do you and think first, rachel and his first players want just on the north london derby if anybody wants a ticket to go and see it you can buy them from the spurs website if you want to stick sit in the away end which I'm assuming you do because you do not want to be sitting surrounded by 20,000 Arsenal fans um returning to the Euro so I was um it's crazy I bought tickets to the final back last summer um and you know so 
came around and I was really excited that I had them. I went to the semi-finals and the quarterfinals. So I saw England's whole progression through the knockout stages. And I am not a natural nationalist. Um, I have to say, I don't necessarily have flags surrounding my house or anywhere else, but for the duration of the Euros, I did become a bit of a kind of England fan just because it was kind of irresistible once you were in the stadiums and you were surrounded by people who were so unlike your normal England fans. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the normal England fans, but they tend to be very um, male, very aggressive, often alcohol um, consuming. And again, happy to consume alcohol, but it was really nice to be in a stadium where you weren't necessarily going to be grabbed or poked or pushed around, where you weren't going to have sort of 10 German bombers shouted at you, where people were really diverse in all senses, not just um, age, which there's been a lot of focus on, and the fact that there were young people, but there were groups of women, groups of LGBTQ people who were clearly sort of out and um, happy to be seen that there were older people as well and you know so it was a really and that there were people from lots of different diverse communities despite the white blondness of the team um which lots of people commented on so it was a really joyful experience the people I went with there was it was great there was six of us we were sort of cheering and shouting and it was a tense game uh, actually the last all of the knockout games, at least for parts of them, were really tense. I think in some ways the Sp Spanish game was almost my favourite game because it was the most exciting and the most stressful. Mm -hmm. um, but the German game had a lot of that as well. The final being a final was amazing. Um, you know, it was just really amazing to see Wembley kitted out for the women's game in a way that I've only ever seen it for the men's games in the past and to feel like it was different. So I guess that did give me some of that optimism about which Sean is so cynical. But I would 100% agree with her that it is a sort of optimism that has not been exploited effectively by a lot of clubs. And I would put Spurs really squarely in that group. So we didn't have the club didn't tweet anything for about I don't know 40 no it was probably like about 18 hours after the final so sort of like halfway through the next day there was something that got tweeted out um there was very little information about how you got involved there wasn't a kind of ex, you know the, the club might have wanted to get excited about our players and tell people about our players, recognising that lots of people are going to be new to the game and are going to be asking questions about who Spurs, who plays for Spurs women's team. And they could have done something about that to promote our stars, to promote the people who are really skillful. But that didn't happen. And it just seems really, you know, I don't know. It just seems like there we've was got a some, real... Yeah, we've got some, you know, unders. We've got players who play in the England unders. And, mm -hmm. you know, yes, we don't have any fully-fledged England players yet, but there are players who are working their way up to that. Oh, we, and we can talk about the players we think should have been in the England squad and weren't, but we do have players who play for the unders. And to be promoting them saying, you know, this is the next generation of England players, these are the players that could be coming through the Lionesses, come and see them at Spurs, is a great angle. Uh, but again, you know, there doesn't seem to be any creativity in, in how they're pushing it. There doesn't seem to be any thought processes, I've said before. Why didn't we have something going on at Milton Keynes when we had two players at Milton Keynes? Why didn't we have a presence there 
if not in actuality on social media you know there's so many opportunities they just don't seem to think outside the box um yes we didn't have anybody in the england squad but that's not the be all and the end all of the euros um and uh, I, I mean i think there were some issues obviously with the man united game as i understand it there are some issues about capacity and and how many you know because obviously it's not just down to spurs um how many people are allowed to go to those games you have to have conversations with uh, the council and the police and all those kind of things about how many people you can let into a stadium on game day. So I think they've been having to have some more conversations about that because obviously excitement has grown. So I think that's had a bearing on how many people, you know, on how they've been able to sell. Um, and they have now, you know, there are more blocks available now for Man United, plenty of tickets available still for that game if you want to come and join us. Um, but the way that it's been handled from the beginning has not been good. The communication has not been good. And we, you know, as, as fans, communication is so important because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and all you see is what looks like them not caring. And it, it isn't. And I'm sure it's not that they don't care about the women's team. I'm sure that they do. They're just not communicating that well to the fans and they're not making us feel as existing fan base special and they're not making potential new fans feel excited about the new season I don't think I think it's right to point out uh Sean that they're not thinking outside of the box I think maybe there's kind of been they've been relying on sort of I don't want to say marketing because that sounds so cold but you know what I mean the kind of methods that the men's club um uses to talk about their team and the fact is that the women's team is just at a different point in its growth where I think you're right Rachel like they could be doing sort of things to educate potential fans, new fans on like, these are our star players. This is who you're going to be really excited about when you come out to the game and see them in person. Um, So yeah, it kind of does seem like the club has missed a golden opportunity here to, to kind of build on the excitement post euros, but there is the world cup coming up next summer as well. So hopefully we'll start to see, you know, excitement around the national teams when it gets closer to that too. And I just want to have a quick shout out to Karis because I think that what she wrote about she, was yeah she was great. Um, she wrote a really amazing piece, which it was weird. I didn't cry at the final, but when I read Karis's piece, I actually cried, and I don't know why. It maybe it just caught me off, you know, off balance or something. But it was you could tell how much it meant to her, and she's somebody with that experience of having played for England, who's played in the game for a long time, and has had to have you know a dual career. And hearing what it meant to her was very meaningful to me. And I felt like, you know, she wrote about the England win in a way that the, I mean, obviously the club didn't have that personal story to tell, but there were other players who they could have talked to, who they could have worked with to have more of that. And it was really interesting that she basically just went and did it and wrote that blog by herself. Um, And this, club then reprint reproduce the blog on the Spurs website which is great and I totally recommend everybody to um read it and I'm sure we can put it in the show notes so you can find it but um it's just that thing of like the club could have had that knowledge in advance and could have thought about what they might want to do and who they might want to have speaking about it um as well as all the practical stuff, like having enough tickets for everybody who wanted tickets in the immediate aftermath. So that Man United's um, at home game that if it comes the first Saturday of the um, season, 
it looked like it was sold out for ages because the club hadn't updated the blocks. I mean, there are, as Sean says, now tickets and you can buy tickets for it and so do. But for a while, it would have confused people who were new to the game. Yeah, and lots of people I've seen who are going, oh, there's only individual tickets available because they've obviously gone on just as one block pretty much was getting to the point of being full and they tend to add another block on. So, But now there are lots of blocks available, lots of seats available do do get your tickets but also just talking about people who could have talked about the euros from a, a position of, of knowledge is Rianne Skinner you know she came to us from England um she was part of Gary Neville's setup at England she knows lots of those players um why didn't they utilize her you know throughout the tournament not just at the end but at the end as well you know just so much scope for doing stuff um and and they haven't done it um and I know that you know it's new and they're uh, you know they're not used to riding on the back and the men's team aren't used to having to push participation because without trying they sell out a 60,000 seater stadium but the women's team that's not where we're at we do have to push we've struggled historically in the women's team we you know we do all right attendance wise but nowhere near as well as the best teams in the league so we've still got scope to improve that um and why weren't there meetings about exactly how they're going to do that and and you know new ideas um hopefully you know things will improve this season and i know there are more staff on board now and um but it just you know just feels like they you know need to want to do it um a little bit better than they're doing it at the moment what you know the 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 they're using the right language behind the scenes but um it's not still not showing to the mo- most of the fan base the, the, the desire and the, and the want is there they need to just do a little bit better job of, of that communication yeah and you know this all really just made me think like when we first found out that we were going to Louisville for the the preseason tournament I think I called it out and a number of other people called it out as an opportunity to grow like an American fan base and it's occurring to me over the last two weeks of going through the process of like making a preview pod for that and like learning more about the other teams who are going to be involved. We haven't really had all that much communication from the club about this either. And they haven't really been promoting it and they weren't promoting the Euro and they're not really doing much of anything on social media. And it feels like it's just missed opportunity after missed opportunity sometimes. And just to be clear, like we're saying all this out of love because we want the club to be better. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. The other thing is that we do know that our first home game is going to be big. We have sold a lot of tickets, so it is having an impact. Season ticket sales are up. We don't yet know how much up they are, but they're going to be significantly up on previous years. And at least for some of the first games of the season, it's likely that there is going to be this really big impact. So what we are looking for for the club is just to maximize that, but also to think about then how do you keep those people coming back? So it's about Mm -hmm. not missing the opportunity right now, but also like thinking about the relationships with fans that are going to keep people coming to the women's game and coming back. Yeah, that's that kind of is what I was about to lead into because we've been talking as a podcast about how we can build more excitement at the games. And one thing we were thinking about was having some more chants and songs for fans to sing. And so our question for the listeners is that if any of y'all have ideas about, you know, a catchy a uh, rhyme involving a player's name or a song that you think would work well 
please send them to us and we will do our best to, to share them widely and get them to catch on. So that's all we have time for today, but keep an eye out on your podcast feeds for our next episode, because we're going to be previewing the women's cup in Louisville that Abby just mentioned. And we're actually going to have some guests on the pod to talk about a few of the different clubs that are also in the tournament that y'all might not be as familiar with. Uh, So we're really excited to have some new guests on. And then after Abby and I have returned to our respective home bases, we're going to also do a post-tournament episode recapping all the action. So there's going to be lots to listen to. In the meantime, you can find us all on Twitter. So Abby is at Abby Rose Meow. Rachel is at Spurs Women Blog. And Sean is at Sean underscore Wallace. And you can find me at CG Stuffco. Don't forget to subscribe to In 17 Women on your favorite podcast platform if you haven't already. And feel free to leave a review if you've enjoyed the episode so far. Thanks for listening and come on you Spurs. Thank you.